listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I'm so glad that you've chosen to tune in today. I'm flying solo. The previous three episodes in this series I did with my co-host Susie Lolly. They were a whole lot of fun to do, and I hope you will check out those previous episodes. But we are right in the middle of a series called Holding Fast to Our Faith in the Midst of Troubled Times. And in this episode, I want to focus on really that idea of holding firm to our faith, of having a firm foundation, and having that sense of stability, even in a world that is very unstable, very unreliable, and is not a place that we can really put our trust or faith in. And so how do we keep our faith in the midst of unsettling, scary, and uncertain situations, whether that be in a national level or whether that just be in our personal lives or maybe a mixture of both? A popular worship song says this, this world is shaking, but we will not be shaken. My heart is breaking, but it's not broken yet. So we can all attest to this idea of living in a world that is difficult, that breaks our heart every day. In fact, the week that I was writing this, I wrote this several weeks ago, I just perused the headlines quickly and these were the things that that jumped out at me were the top headlines. Category 5 hurricane hitting the Bahamas, man pulled over at a traffic stop, goes on a rampage, um, killing 5 and injuring 20. And a man in prison for putting his baby in the freezer. Now, I'm sorry to have to say those very shocking headlines, especially the last one. But you know as well as I do that it doesn't even really matter what day it is. The headlines are all, it seems lately, are all equally as shocking. There's always something going on that can really, you know, is shocking and is heartbreaking. And then personally for a lot of us, not only can we be rattled by just what we you know, hear and see in the world around us on headlines, but we've got some of our own things going on in our personal lives that if those things were to be, you know, splashed on headlines that they might read something like, you know, friend betrays us or job in a bad place. You know, um, we may be having struggles right now with, with a friendship or relationship where someone has wounded us or, has betrayed us in some way and we just found out about it and and we just are sent reeling because maybe this was a person that we really relied on and is somebody that we really trusted. We might have a situation at work where maybe we were for the longest time a employee who experienced a lot of favor and then maybe management changed or maybe the company's going through changes and we're not sure if our position is going to be needed anymore Or maybe we're not sure, you know, with new management changes, maybe there's uncertainty because we aren't given the same favor anymore. Maybe some new people coming in, we're feeling threatened. We're feeling like we're not as useful anymore. We're wondering if we have a future in the company, whereas before it seemed like we felt so good about going to work and so stable about our job. And and maybe um, there are just situations in our family life that are difficult, maybe with a child that we don't have all the answers for as far as how to 
you know, parent this child, discipline this child. Maybe this child isn't responding to discipline or whatever it is. Maybe we've gotten a diagnosis health-wise that has sent us reeling. There are so many things that we deal with on a daily basis that can be so devastating. And scripture provides us hope and provides us a place to look where we can find the comfort that we need. And in talking about this topic, we may think, oh, you know, we might think we should, you know, there's places like the Psalms or something like that where we could go for comfort. And that certainly could be a place we could look. There's a lot of places in scripture we could find comfort. But I want to look at Revelation 3 and return there again. And that may not seem like a place that you would find comfort. But I think when you listen to this message, you're going to be just pleasantly surprised by the comfort that is given here to a church that was going through some very unsettling circumstances. And I want to read Revelation 3, 8 through 12. Again, if you want to kind of get a clearer context for this series, I encourage you to listen to the previous three episodes. Um, And another helpful thing would just be to read Revelation 3 on your own. I'm just going to be reading a small piece. There will be a few overlap, some overlap of a few of the verses from last week, um, just to kind of get them, you know, look at them in a, at a different angle. But um, we're going to be taking some fresh ideas. Last week, I focused more on faithful service. This week, I want to focus more again on just being firm in our faith in, in unstable times. But Revelation 3, 8 through 12 says this, I know that you have little strength. This is Jesus talking to the church of Philadelphia. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I've loved you. Since you have kept the command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. So a lot going on in this passage, but the church of Philadelphia would have been one that was in Asia Minor. It would have been one of the early churches. And there are actually seven messages to the churches in Revelation, but three messages in Revelation 3. And again, there's a lot of other um, things going on in Revelation, but the seven messages are just part of Revelation that you can look at. But the church of Philadelphia, as I talked about in my previous um, episode with Susie, we talked about this idea that Philadelphia was commended by Jesus for being faithful, that they had limited resources, they had limited strength. And we don't know exactly what that means, but they may not have been as big or as powerful as a church like Sardis, which is a church that's described at the beginning of Revelation 3. And yet Jesus commends them because despite their small strength and numbers that they were faithful, they kept the principles of the gospel. They did not compromise. They held up under persecution, which we'll get to more in a minute. And they lived out the principles of the gospel. Not perfectly. Of course, there was sin. Um, but they 
took, you know, they confessed wherever they were wrong, kept going, and really just attempted to walk with Jesus and be faithful to his call on their lives. And the interesting thing about Philadelphia is that they were um, a church in a region. Philadelphia was a region that was prone to earthquakes. And the soil was very rich and fertile for planting, but it was very earthquake prone in that region. So the residents of this area never knew when an earthquake would hit. And so here it's very interesting that here is this faithful and steadfast church in a place that is notorious for its shaky ground. And I find that so interesting and comforting because one of the things that really stood out to me as I was just looking at the passage is that, you know, this church was able to be steadfast in, in a a literally shaky place. Um, and I mean that in a literal way, like the ground they were on was shaking and, you know, we may not have that same struggle, but again, it's just is such a clear picture Mm -hmm. of the Christian life and attempting to be faithful in our area, wherever we are attempting to hold firm when it literally feels like the ground is constantly shaking around us and is about to fall out under us. And um, for many of us, we have that experience. So what can we learn from this little church um, that can help us in our own time of trial? The first idea I want to pull from Philadelphia is that we must build our lives on the firmest foundation of all. The most obvious truth that we can observe when we look at the passage is that the church made their place of stability on the truth of Christ rather than the place they were living, a worldly possession, a relationship, a job, that they rooted themselves in Christ. And in verse um, eight, we see that Jesus commends them and says to them that they have kept his word and they have not denied his name. So they have rooted themselves in the truths of the gospel. They have prioritized serving him and holding fast to his truths, even in times that are tough. Because honestly, when times are tough, that is when many of us just go adrift and we lose connection. We we maybe stop going to church because it's just too much of an effort. Um, we stop fellowshipping with other Christians. We stop reading the Bible because we're so overwhelmed. And that is really the time to just press in and to keep on doing our quiet time, even if all we can do is just sit there and and, and just cry and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. And even when we're reading the Bible and it seems like every verse is blurring in front of our eyes because we're just so tired or it just isn't even making any sense to us because it's like our brain is so exhausted that we can't, we're so overwhelmed that we can't, it's like we can't even process what we're reading. And yet we're making that effort and we're saying, Lord, I am exhausted. I can't even read straight right now. Um, I just have so little to give you right now. And yet we're still going through those steps of, you know, spending time with God, drawing strength from him and um, looking to him to, to be our strength. I want to just read to you from John 16, 33. It says in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Trouble can be expected, but we can take heart when we draw strength from a firm foundation that can never be moved. And before I go to my next point, I just want to um, mention a, a devotional I read one time on this very topic. And it's in Streams of the Desert, which is one of my favorite devotionals 
but there's one that is called cushion of the sea and it's the um it's just one of the devotionals in there but it in this uh devotion it talks about what um the the uh, writer calls the cushion of the sea and basically down beneath the surface of the sea you know at the top of the sea there's all these waves and then if you dive down though you will get to a place where it's very still and very quiet and you don't have these same waves i want to just read to you from it it says down beneath the surface that is agitated by storms and driven about with winds there is a part of the sea that is never stirred when we dredge the bottom and bring up the remains of animal and vegetable life we find that they give evidence of not having been disturbed in the least for hundreds and thousands of years the peace of god is that eternal calm which like the cushion of the sea lives far too deep down to be reached by any external trouble and disturbance and he who enters into the presence of god becomes partaker of that undisturbed and undisturbable calm and that's actually a quote from dr a.t pearson in streams of the desert but just this idea sometimes when i think of going through the hardest times i think of that analogy of i'm going to dive in deep i'm diving beneath the waves and i'm getting to that still quiet place and that strength that can only be found when I'm in communion with God and I'm going to call on him to help me because that is the only place that I can draw strength. Um, and it's good to do this when we're going through good times and bad, but particularly in bad times, we need the strength of Jesus to get us through. The second idea I want to draw is when we walk with Jesus, we will be victorious in our difficult situations. And in this passage, another idea is that the stability and steadfastness of Philadelphia will be that which even their enemies take note of. Verse 9 says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So one of the things we need to notice right away is that the turmoil in the lives of Philadelphia, those churchgoers in Philadelphia, they weren't merely due to a physical landscape issue, okay? Or it wasn't just because they were having earthquakes that they experienced instability. They had enemies that were shaking things up for them. Now, most likely, what I've read different scholars, what most of them say is that Jews that were living in that area most likely were persecuting them, that they were claiming that they knew God, knew the... um, knew the only true way to God and that the Christians did not. And in fact, what these um, Jewish people were actually not, they they weren't aware of the true way of, um, you know, Christianity. It um, basically offers the, the message of the gospel is that the only way to be saved, to experience salvation is to accept Jesus Christ and believe in him. And that is the way to be saved. And there were those, um, there were Jews within the community that were opposing Christians, kicking them out of their synagogues, even persecuting them and giving them a really hard time. And it says in the passage that those who claim to really know the true way but did not, they would come and fall down at the feet of the churchgoers of Philadelphia and acknowledge, basically, basically um, acknowledge that these churchgoers were following the true way. 
So they would be vindicated. Um, their enemies would fall at their feet. And that doesn't mean that literally their enemies would fall and down and worship them, but it does mean that they would acknowledge that they were right, that even some of them would even come to Christ when they saw how the Church of Philadelphia was connected to Christ, how they showed love in the community, how they modeled the principles of the gospel. When they saw all that and how they saw how they navigated their tough situations with steadfastness and calm, that even some of them would come to Christ. And as I was reading over this part, I think the application for us is that we have in our lives those who are opposing us. When we are answering the call of Jesus, we're walking with him, we are believers, we will experience persecution. And the hard reality, perhaps harder than anything else for some of us, is that the persecution many times is going to come from those who claim to be believers or say that they're Christians, but they act another way, that they're really not following God's commandments. They aren't really following the Bible and they may oppose us and that may cause us great pain. But what this passage is telling us is that when, you know, we, we do the right thing, we walk with Christ, we are going to be victorious that even those who oppose us, some of them are even going to come to Christ when they see how we react in our situation um, how we walk through a trial, how we display love, how we um, handle our tempers and display self-control. And and God is going to give us the wisdom in our difficult situations. When they see that, then some of them are even going to acknowledge, yes, you really do belong to Christ. You know the way to salvation. And some of them are going to be won over. And that is just an amazing idea that we can get Because some of us are in really difficult situations and we say, you know, we want to get out. And we're like, Lord, let me out of this situation. And God is urging us to stay. He's urging us to love that difficult coworker or to stay in that marriage that's driving us insane, even though we're being mistreated. And please hear me out. I'm not saying stay in an abusive situation. Um, I'm saying that sometimes we can be mistreated or not treated well. And God says, you know, even though this person isn't being kind to you, stay. And if um, if you aren't 100% sure, go go get the advice of a counselor, talk it over, pray about it. But I'm not urging you to, to allow yourself to be abused. But what I am saying is that a lot of us, we are, there are people being extremely unkind to us. We're, we're not being treated very well in a situation. And we may say, God, why do I have to stay here? And he may be working out in others repentance and salvation and we by us staying where God has planted us and showing love showing self-control um showing perseverance and steadfastness and and the love of God in the midst of our tough situation others will be won over to Christ the last point I want to bring about is when we walk with Jesus we receive protection and special aid in the midst of our trials I want to just point out that God is always with us it's not like based on our behavior that God just um, abandons us, Jesus abandons us. But there is the idea within scripture, and particularly in this passage, that when we walk with Jesus, that we receive protection and aid um, that we wouldn't if we're just outwardly 
you know, walking away from him and rebelling. So Jesus is with us. He doesn't abandon us, but we receive special protection and aid in the midst of our trials when we walk with him. The Church of Philadelphia, it says that because um, they have basically um, been faithful because of this, that they are going to be um, kept from the hour of trial that is coming to test the inhabitants of the earth. We don't know exactly what trial Jesus is referring to. It could refer to end times, the second coming of Jesus, um, the, the tribulations that's going to come on the earth in the end times. Um, it could just refer to a trial for that region. Whatever the case, it says here that they would be kept from the trial. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be kept out of it, that they're not going to have to go through it. But this could mean that God would keep them in the midst of their trial, would give them special help and grace in the midst of what they're walking through. So if it's just referring to, you know, those everyday trials that we'll go th- we go through, it could mean for us that God is going to walk, um, you know, walk us through by giving us special help and grace in the midst of it, not necessarily that he's not going to, um, that he's not going to, um, leave us just to face the trial alone. And again, I want to emphasize God, you know, when we accept salvation, the Holy Spirit is always inside of us, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can resist and walk away from him. And if we don't repent and return, then it does create distance in our fellowship with God. It doesn't mean that he just doesn't help, you know, doesn't ever help us out again. But when we walk with Jesus, there is this idea that we do receive special help and protection and that is what's happening here, it says to the Church of Philadelphia. Secondly, they are promised they will be pillars in the house of God and God will write his name on them. As the city of Philadelphia is prone to earthquakes, it is possible the image of pillar as is given as a contrast. So they are promised that they are going to be pillars, these stable, permanent pillars in the house of God in this very, un, you know, very shaky place. So to these people that constantly feared the shaking of the ground and had great uncertainty, they had the promise of contributing to God's kingdom in a way that could not be shaken or taken away. And this is such a a comforting promise in that when we're doing the work of God and we're going through a lot of trials and everything's coming at us, what we can take hope in is that when we're doing God's work, that we have something we're contributing to a kingdom that has eternal value to work that has eternal value contributing to God's kingdom and the results of these of which will always stand. So when we do God's will, we aren't mere observers or receivers of God's work. We are co-workers. We work with God as we yield to his plan for our lives and he works through us to accomplish his will. In doing so, we become part of what God is building. Now he is the foundation. He is the builder. Talks about Jesus being the cornerstone, but it does say that in the Bible that we are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's first Peter two, five. So on us, God writes his name. He gives us a place and position within his kingdom that is ours alone and is one we cannot manufacture ourselves. So this is this idea that when we participate with God in his purchase, in his plans for our lives, no matter what the world circumstances look like or the circumstances in our personal life, however 
hairy they may be, that we are contributing to a work that can never be shaken or taken away. Um, and when we do the work of God. And so that there's this wonderful promise here that Jesus gives the Church of Philadelphia and to believers who um, are walking with him. In addition, we are further reassured in the passage with the idea that it tells us that they will be made pillars and that they will never again leave it. So this idea that we may be in great pain in our current circumstances, but we can look forward to a time when we enter eternity and never again face hardship, loss, instability, pain, or persecution. Heaven awaits believers and provides us a hope to cling on our worst days. So, you know, a lot of times we kind of, I think, downplay heaven like, oh yeah, we're going there. But it's reminding us in this verse that not only do we have a God who walks with us in the midst of our hard circumstances and gives us provision, helps us to be victorious over our enemies, um, provides us with special aid, but also we have just this hope to look forward to that, you know what, this this is not our, our home, that what we have going on here is going to pass away. And we have an eternal place where we are going to be with God, where there is no pain, where every tear is going to be dried, where all of our illnesses, all of our problems will be resolved and we won't face the same hardships. I love what theologian Albert Barnes says on this. He says, happy moment. I, when emerging from a world of danger and of doubt, the soul, the soul shall shuttle. Wow. That's a mouthful. The soul shall settle down into the calmness and peace of the state where there is the assurance of God himself that the world of bliss is to be its eternal abode. In other words, so we are going to emerge from this world of danger and of doubt and settle into, we can experience calm here, we can experience peace, but there is going to be an eternal calm we enter into that is never disturbed, right? That is never infringed upon by the terrible circumstances that we're facing here. And that's called heaven, right? And we're going to be there one day. And that is our ultimate hope as we can look beyond what is going on here. Whatever situation we're walking through, whatever may be hurting us, may be breaking our heart, we have a unshakable God. He is the same today. He is the same, was the same yesterday, today, the same forever. He never changes. So he doesn't always change circumstances in our lives to give us the outcome we want, but he walks through them with us and gives us his strength, comfort, wisdom, and encouragement to make us make it through. So whatever you're facing today, we can look at this church and say, you know what? These, these things that Jesus was telling the church, that I can draw comfort from these things, that I can draw strength from these things, and I don't have to give in to whatever is shaking up my life, breaking my heart at the moment. I have a firm place to anchor myself and put my hope. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we need this message. I need this message today. As there are tough circumstances in my life, Lord, you know the people who are listening to this podcast and you have orchestrated this message just for them, just as you've orchestrated it for me. It's for them as well. Lord, I just pray you go beyond my words. You go outside of my words if need be. If I didn't touch on what they specifically needed to hear, that Lord, it would just light in their heart that they would get an inspiration as they're even listening now 
and you would comfort them. You would be with them. You would help them to have a hope, a renewed sense of purpose and confidence. If they feel torn down, if they feel shaken, if they feel bullied, if they feel persecuted, Lord, that you would just be with them. And Lord, that you would just allow these words from scripture to seep into their hearts and they could cling on knowing that, Lord, these words were not just for the church of Philadelphia, but these words are for for believers um, to comfort us as well, to help us through the hard times we face, that, Lord, you're with us. You walk with us. You don't leave us in our heart's situation. So help us to turn to you and not away from you in our pain. Help us to rely on you and find in you alone, not in relationship, not in a, in a job, not in distraction. Find in you the help and strength we need to get through our circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>